Primetime partiers, it's primetime party time. A virtual, online, all things I could say digital, radio show and podcast where we talk about what should be in your primetime right now. I'm your host, Tracy, and this is... Daniel. Again, great intro, Tracy. I'm better <laughs> at that every time. I like, I like seeing the intro evolve. Yeah, whatever I just able to ramble and jumble. <laughs> <laughs> into there but yeah how you doing i'm doing well how about you i am enjoying some apple matcha tea and it is quite lovely for nice nice early january beverage yeah i got some peach honey myself hope everybody else is enjoying their refreshing beverages tonight here on primetime party time ptptshow.com uh we we're drinking tea but we're always interested to hear what you're drinking too um hit us up in the chat there on the website um other announcements this week um i think we have the voicemail widget up on the site so if you want to if you have thoughts on the content if you want to talk to us and info at ptpt show or just finding us isn't enough uh feel free to leave us a voice message of whatever you'd like we get to listen to it um we may even be able to incorporate it who knows um but yeah it should be working um it definitely works on mobile um uh, the widget's a little finicky but but we'll get there um, yeah we recommend you start on mobile but yeah if you have afterthoughts that you couldn't get through the chat during real time voicemail is a great place to leave some thoughts and we can touch back and yeah as Daniel said see what we can see what we can do so Nice. Well, tonight we're doing something a little different than we've done uh, so far in the past, but we are going to uh, keep it consistent and do this week's toast and roast. What have you got, Tracy? What are you toasting? What are you roasting this week? What am I? There is a lot to roast if I were to choose. Yeah. Um, (laughs) All you have to look at is the news. Um, (laughs) No, that's... (laughs) Not trying to be a dystopian Dr. Seuss. Uh, but yeah, my main roast, I'm going to choose a low-level one because like, as a nation, we all have our roast and it looks like it has face paint and uh, cheap Viking horns. But as an individual roast, I would say I would like to roast people, not people. You know what? I won't judge. But the concept, dry January. I just... You know, I don't feel the need to drink a lot during the beginning of the year. But one thing I do not like to be told is that I shouldn't. People are <laughs> so, telling you? You know, well, I, I actually... Not, uh, like, I'm just not like a physical a person telling me, but like oh, metaphorically, the, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people doing like quote-unquote detoxes and all this stuff. And I'm just like, this is... The repeat every year, everyone is like, if I change out and <laughs> have <laughs> green <change>. juice, <laughs> some Crazy's people laughing because we like got a message dry- in the chat. Yeah, message in the chat of people who do like dry January. 
yeah, I'm a little bit about just like fully, you know, if you feel like you've done too much over the holidays, just like moderation, just go back to your usual. Don't just like go to the extreme. Cause I just feel like that means like in February, you're just going to like be in like, Oh man, I need a cocktail. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> right peer pressure is the wrong reason. Or whatever anything. it is. Yeah. Like you should do whatever you want for yourself, but I was like, I think getting like spammed with all these ads that were about different, oh, wow. you know, like fitness challenges you should be doing and, you know, things people are like cutting out. And I'm just like, listen, I'm just going to be a little <laughs> new agey and say that you should add on to yourself instead of, you know, holding back. You should, has you anyone, should do that instead. Has anyone ever like programmed like anti-ads in, in that sense like if you feel that you're being targeted could you like kind of pull together a little bit of money and just kind of like shoot out as a voice for like the <laughs> the opposition of the ads that the people in your kind of like interest group like your your what psychographics are getting i would love a spite ad a spite yeah, ad. yeah. like <laughs> very much in the be a good agency the right. of the i know start my marketing company now yeah <laughs> it would definitely be called spite media <laughs> Spite media. All you would do is run against things that you're targeted. Yeah. That would be hilarious. Um, I'm really for that. I'm almost the kind of person who would use their personal time to make spite ads <laughs> to change my algorithm if it was possible, which who knows? Maybe that's a nice little homework. <laughs> um, someday. I don't know if I currently I have like enough you know, homework time to figure out how to do a spite ad. But if I could, I definitely would. I would love to make some spoofs and at the same time give the give the finger to initiatives that I'm not into. It would be nice. I know it's weird being on the other side of falling into a targeted group and being like, oh, mm. what did I click to get here? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. So that's my roast. It's it's lighter this week. I think I got enough out yeah. last week. And I still don't have to do virtual jury duty yet. It's oh, uh, nice. pending. Okay. Yeah, I have to check it in and like... Uh, Enjoy this, how this is an ongoing thread. That's nice. Yeah, I, I'm keeping everyone along for the journey <laughs> <laughs> of, of whether or not I participate in civic duty. So we're going nice. to find out. Uh, yeah, we talked about this with one of our friends on, you know, the kind of people who like to participate in jury duty. I think I find myself uh, surrounding myself with many friends who are like, yes, I want to be picked. And then there are the ones I have that extend so many times that they are dismissed. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a it's a mixed box there. Uh, my toast for this week Oh, actually, yeah. My toast for this week is I found this artist. Her name is Tess Henley, and she does some originals and some covers. But one thing I found is I was watching a Truly ad, and she did a cover of the Happy Days theme song. And it was just really fun. And, you know, if it weren't for copyright, I would throw a little jingle on for you guys. But I'm just going to let you know, if you search it through YouTube, it's a very good time. And it's not on Spotify or anything, but I like, I was into it. It was, it felt also like many of the things that we discuss on here, a kind of return to simpler nostalgia. So I was very into that. And I think also that ad campaign like gave back to artists and stuff. So I was like, nice. well, that's nice. 
I needed a little bit of like a pick me up (laughs) 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 last week. So I thought that was a good way to kind of go back into like, all right, what are the things that not to be too Marie Kondo-y, but like spark joy when you're (laughs) feeling back under the weight and stress of pandemic mania. But I'm hoping most of it is behind us. But yeah, how about your toast and roast Daniel? Oh, um, in a not so quiet week, uh, what am I toasting and roasting otherwise? Uh, you know, all right, like, I don't have much to roast about personally, but, um, I did, I did, (laughs) I don't know, I had a weird DoorDash driver this week. Um, ah, do tell. I just, I don't, I, you know, I, I, it's kind of worn off, which is nice, and I don't mean to be petty, but... I, I was called. It was a Chicago number. So I was like, all right, I'll pick it up. Let's see what happens. You know, someone from Chicago. Yeah. And and I had kind of forgotten that I, I had even ordered food. So when they were just like, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm like, no, he got the wrong number. And they were just like, no. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that usually does not happen. Um, and so then we were kind of just, you know, it's supposed to be contactless delivery. So... She's kind of like, all right, well, could we could we leave it, you know? Like, is, is there anything you need my help with? And and all you hear from the other end of the phone is, oh, my God. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm right here. Like, what do you mean? And, and she proceeds to, oh, my God, three more times during the phone call. So, Thrice, OMG. That's why, that's why I like to just, uh, you know, I, I go out, take a walk, get in my car. I don't know. This kind of stuff stresses me out. And that's my roast. And my toast, um, can I do like a semi-self-promotional toast? I <laughs> would appreciate it. I don't think we toot our own horns enough. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a, uh, a project that I kind of like help with um, from time to time has their residency at an online radio station this month. Uh, that is great. Yeah, the radio station's called yes. Dub Lab. Um, they're really cool. I like them a lot. I've liked them since I got involved in the project. So, um, yeah, it's uh, we're just kind of doing some like curation there. There should be some radio shows with some of the artists involved. Um, I get to do some nice. of the like visual curation for it, and it's cool oh. to like be. It. it I just want to like kind of toast this station because I like internet radio, obviously. And obviously. Uh, so yeah, big toast to 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 Dub Lab. Um, and to Desolation Center for their uh, residency this month of January. So go check it out if if uh, you're inclined to check out some more internet radio. Yes, I love a nice media-related PSA. We love that. Yeah. And yeah, that makes me. Oh, that is a good toast. Ah, and you know, my teeth. I think I think the roast to delivery is warranted. It's not anyone's fault, but it does not. It's not consistent. And it does not make sense. And I don't either, mostly because of the results. Because you're just like, once once they get there, if something's wrong, you kind of just have to accept it. And I ordered something else this week. And I walked in, you know, (laughs) mask on and everything. And and the food was waiting on the counter. And the woman was like, yep. And he made it. And she pointed down the counter at this dude. And this dude waved. And I cheers the, the food in my hand. And, and it was a great experience. It was so much better than See, that. It was, that um, is a beautiful a moment. moment. But yeah. I love that. Yeah, I picked up food at a 
yeah i talked about it last time about at the one vietnamese place i like in escondido and the people there are always so nice like i went to pick it up and she's like love your pastel outfit and i was like oh. i love to pick up delicious food <laughs> and be pumped up a little bit like <laughs> i it might be you know and if it felt genuine to me so i was like oh pep in my That's step nice. and I miss, I miss the fried tofu in my belly not a bad day so yeah we we like we like an order pickup i'm very pro pro that yeah um yeah like um, it's it's yeah. rough out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, stressful. No, but um, no, but obviously, don't have too much to be petty about this week. Um, no. I think that's the toast and the roast. And and when we get that back from is. this very short break, uh, we'll be into the main course of this episode. Yeah, that that that's that's the this is short of a break as we're getting tonight, Tracy. Woo woo! Well, welcome to Ghosts of Primetime Past. We're gonna go back to some shows that both were on the radar, some that flew a little underneath. The main thing all of them will have in common is that they are cult followed shows, so ones that maybe were around primetime but have a lot more of a following both after. And I'd say have been resurged during the streaming services. So especially during now, where watch time is just on the rise. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, this week we're going to talk about Angel. Uh, Angel is a spinoff show from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It aired on the WB on October 5th, 1999. Until May 19th, 2004, there are five seasons, 110 episodes. Did I get this from Wikipedia? Definitely did. Um, and <laughs> I got the same information, and, so. Yeah, I mean, I fact-checked it. I am I know, but you know what? There's, I trust Wikipedia and Reddit pretty well, where I'm like, I'll double-check, but I, I know there are some people out there willing to do the Lord's work in terms of research. So, so like some people may have like fibbed their hype on Wikipedia, you know, some public figures, but aside from you know, that, you kind of you kind of know. People lie about their hype whenever they get a chance. So <laughs> <laughs> So, back to Angel. Yeah, we want to chat about a few we watched a few episodes and we're going to like just kind of get into the general feelings of this show, like what made it memorable, what made it prime time and uh yeah i was start off with saying that there's even a vox article from 2020 that was going into you know why you should binge watch angel now during the pandemic and i thought it was an even another reason what helped support why we think this is a a show worth remembering a show worth revisiting and rewatching. so yeah let's get into it angel (laughs) what's your what's your history with like buffy the vampire slayer and angel yeah like very obsessed with buffy i watch it like every october to like i get all seven seasons yeah oh yeah wow it's a commitment man whoa (laughs) that is Uh, that's that's amazing wow 
It is. Well, part of it is like I'll have it on in the background while I'm doing stuff because I've seen it a bunch of times and then it's like my bedtime show and then I just, you know, mm-hmm. it keeps going. And there's definitely specific episodes where I'm like, oh, I love this one and I'll like stop what I'm doing, make sure to pay more attention. But um, yeah, I watch it in my like spooky season because I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. So I like to, you know, get into it and have some very coordinated shows so nice. i love buffy uh i think it was like a little bit you know old for me when it first came out so i mostly have watched it as soon as it got on to netflix and hulu uh and then it's kind of like as soon as you're getting towards like the point where angel begins you're like angel's leaving the show no and then it's like oh no 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 don't be upset he's getting his own spinoff and then you're like yes so it's definitely one of those where like it definitely does fill some fan uh joy of not having to fully say goodbye to characters because even if they're kind of ousted out of Buffy world a lot of them come back into the angel world in a meaningful way I mean some I think more so than others like I remember before we kind of started rewatching this, I was kind of like, I mean, I like Cordelia, but eh. And then when I watched Angel, I was like, oh, I forgot. Like, she got a lot more. Like, I mean, she grew throughout Buffy, but then when you take her to Angel, it's like a whole nother level. And you're like, no, no, this character is good. I didn't give her enough credit because I only watched Buffy mainly. So I think that's that's like a cool thing is you get to see characters who maybe didn't have enough space to grow on one show because it wasn't part of the focus and kind of the storytelling strategy get that in Angel and it's also one where like you definitely learn more if you've watched both shows you could watch Angel without seeing Buffy you might just kind of have some moments where they do like crossovers where it's less of a yay this person is back and you're kind of more like oh I understand this is an ex-girlfriend but what is the significance right (laughs) and you and you would maybe need to see more of that I think it definitely will resonate with you more if you've seen both shows but as someone who's only seen Angel I would agree with that statement Yes. Oh, I mean, the Angel back. Angel as a spinoff does a very, it does a great, I mean, it does a great job in a lot of areas. Um, yes. But something, I mean, it, it's it's very easy. It, it sets up any crossover characters just as like greater conflicts for the characters of Angel, um, which we see in we, when we decided to kind of like dive into this and watch this series and kind of like figure out what it was all about. Uh, one of the episodes that we chose was uh, an episode that that kind of takes the series in a very early shift, which is the ninth episode of the first season called Hero. Yeah. And that episode begins right after what I want to say is probably the first crossover episode of the series. And so it sets up a lot of the conflict that that you can tell there's there is kind of like a, a hole in Angel's life at that point. Um, and so that it just it. It stands on its own. Obviously, there's there's way more to it if if you understand the dynamic um, between him and, and Buffy specifically, or, or any of the other characters. Um, but yeah, it, it, it for the most part, everything stood on its own, minus a couple times in that you know. I mean, well, not even minus, but obviously a couple times in the later seasons, characters are going to come back as like a last hurrah. 
And I didn't understand yeah. that, but it still worked. Like all, all the episodes still definitely work standalone. Yeah. And like when I was watching the pilot, what's really interesting after watching it kind of in the time period we are now is the pilot is there's, you know, the whole kind of premise is that he goes to LA and it's kind of this, a few shows like Lucifer's and this too, where it's like LA is the closest thing to hell, which everyone from SoCal is like, LOL. We I like mean, are LA. Are people but making also, TV so... not going to think that? <laughs> exactly. And also people who have experienced traffic. I think yeah. they're all like, yes. <laughs> we have, yeah, a lot we feeds into it. We, we understand this. Um, the comparison isn't completely off base. Right. Um, but they also have it be like this Wolf Grumman Hart, which is the law firm, defends all these like demons and monsters. And one of them is a vampire who's supposed to be a like network media investor who's chronically like finding young struggling actresses and then, you know, sucking their blood. And, you know, the lawyers have to clean up and make sure people don't know about it. And he kind of says... There's even a line he says where he's like, I pay my taxes, I do my part, I stay quiet, and I get to do whatever I want. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like very me too. And that, but it was also like when you're thinking about it, like, this was a long time ago. This was like 1999. So I thought it was like an interesting risk the writers took and I, was, and I appreciated it because I was like, this is something that I like you see certain references in a lot of like comedy shows that are kind of like quick, but this was kind of more of like an extended plot line. So mm. I was like, and for a pilot. So yeah, like on the surface, it is very much like a vampire and you could just like look at it that way. But when you're looking at how the whole setting was and he would like meet these girls at parties and all this stuff, you're kind of like, this uh, sounds more familiar now that we are in 2021. So I thought that was really really cool take on how to you know talk about maybe a subject that was more taboo then but still make it within this universe and also by still making a message and kind of angel's role when he comes in to be this like champion is to intervene with a lot of these things that are happening and it's this weird kind of like He's supposed to be helping the powers that be kind of do the good versus evil while there's also this law and justice of the divine, but also of the, you know, regular people. So it's kind of that there's a lot of like metaphor and art imitates life. I found when rewatching it that I didn't really catch. I mean, there is, but that's that's kind of like the beauty of Angel, right? It's like you said, it's like it was going like Angel's kind of contribution um, like to primetime television, I mean, uh, amongst many things, is it did kind of like it, it, it took things darker, you know, and, and yeah. especially took things from like the, the, I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is like a classic pitch, right? It's like the, yes. what if we, you know, did the whole, whole horror high school thing and then like flipped the expectations of like the blonde girl. And then Angel's yeah. more so like, great, like let's kind of like take, the ideas of this fantastical world and like make this sort of darker story with redemption to it and take it down to LA and get kind of grungy and, and the whole like helping the helpless, which is the philosophy of the characters in the show. It inherently like just provides like a strong philosophy. It provides like really 
dire stakes and it, it, it kind of gets you into that kind of like dire, I mean, obviously helpless, um, kind of like, I guess vibe for lack of a better word. It, uh, what I'm saying is like, yeah. it, it's a really strong spinoff for a strong pitch for, for a show already. Yeah. And so uh, what I was reading is like in the first episode, they actually did write an episode, um, like uh, submit it to the network and they weren't actually able to produce it because it was so dark at the time. Um, and wow. so it, it, it's interesting and it, and it's cool watching um, Angel kind of the, the series grow up starting in 1995 or 1999 and then kind of going through to 2004 because that was a transformative time in television. Yeah. And Angel kept up. Like Angel, Angel is a different series uh, by the end of of the show, and, and and it's kept up with all of the other like behemoths that have come out, all the sort of like starting to like be serialized like flagship shows of all of these networks on drama. Angels caught up to that, despite being a, a, a somewhat of like a like a lower budget procedural show in the beginning. And it's fun to kind of watch the meta of the show evolve over time, and it's more fun to think and be like, wow, like what would it look like today? Because it was. It was evolving yeah. over time with, with the rest of the television landscape while it was even airing. And it was taking a lot of risks. It definitely feels like a transitional show and forgive us for getting real like film and media student on you. But it's like there are these shows where they're wrapped up in an episode and each one you could watch standalone. And Angel is like, you could watch standalone episodes, but there are also larger ongoing plot lines where you have to watch the full season to figure out what's going on. And you have to watch the full series to kind of figure out how they all intertwine with each other. So I think that's true. It's definitely during this like transition of TV going to being like the golden age of TV and like getting kind of from those like there was like a lot of shows during that time too, like Charmed and other things mm -hmm. that are like these supernatural shows that are really good, but they had to kind of grow from the more like kind of corny, kind of bewitched side of like supernatural shows and get to be this like bigger than just the world of vampires and have it like, you know, have it relate to regular life too. And I think that's something that this show does really well and I think you said it really well with like redemption is a huge theme in this show and like when Faith comes in who's another slayer from Buffy that's like a big thing too where he's kind of you know for lack of better words he is kind of an anti-hero and so but he's also an actual hero <laughs> and I think kind of when he switches from being his like evil self to his regular self it is supposed to kind of be like you're rooting for him, but he also does make these like missteps and goes reverts back. And it's kind of supposed to be, you know, you're showing that very humanistic journey without him being a human. So it's one of those like, ooh, twist. Uh, but I think like when you get later on where we watch the episode, we're in the ballet and you see all the different Wait. characters interact and and there's like the different you know dimensions and they're still like very mystical magical but you're also seeing them 
kind of have these character relationships that are very warm and connected and it's like they are this team that's kind of us against the world but they do get to kind of have these breaks every once in a while in the season where it's like they do more of like a I don't want to call it like a filler episode because that gets a negative vibe but I also when I watch shows I like the ones that are just kind of like adding on to what's happening but they are also just like enjoyable because sometimes you just don't need to go on the roller coaster but yeah what do you feel about the later in season three energy yeah so so we uh, definitely like i've never seen any of season two i started watching angel (laughs) honestly last year um my girlfriend and i came up with like a, a sort of like a i guess a coronavirus like covid like activity which was to essentially like we were going to share a season of a series that like nice was important to us or understood us like as a person hers was season five of angel so i went into oh. the first episode of season five just not really knowing anything um so 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 it's interesting when we were doing like that that's the series like that's the universe of buffy and yeah. angel for for me um, which is somewhat of a limited context, but so when we started doing this exercise, seeing season one and, and the different show that it was was really interesting. And then moving on to season three, it was it was the the show that I had been watching in in an infancy state, and and it was sort of like building building up to 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 the show that. Um, to the show that, you know, obviously they finished out with. Um, I guess, like, my main thoughts, like, when we got to season three and we got to those more character-driven stories with the characters that the show um, finishes out with is that I was surprised at how much of the dynamic was the same or building towards the same, uh, building towards the conclusions that the series gets to. Uh, Things like Wesley um, and and, and Fred um, as characters. Angel and Cordelia obviously is something that doesn't really uh, end up having payoffs in season five. That kind of happens before season five, and and what's interesting is they they bring in another character from the franchise, Spike, to finish out the series. And I yes. feel like Spike Spike is able in in like the the scene by scene structure to give a lot of the same uh, effect that Cordelia was able to in the first four seasons. Um, being sort of like a comedic uh, situational humor kind of role and also being the like close one to Angel as a character. Um, So that was fun, but also it's really interesting because season three and especially the episode we watched, which was uh, episode 13, Waiting in the Wings, uh, it was, I, I like to describe it as optimistic as season five's tone is desperate. Um yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. And it's funny that you say that Spike had a really similar kind of character placement as Cordelia because I read that he wasn't supposed to really have that much of a presence on Buffy, but he just had such good chemistry with the cast that as soon as like Cordelia was out, they kind of started featuring him back in Buffy to kind of replace that energy. So very good. Spidey sense is there. And same thing for like Angel. He kind of came back on there because people were huge fans of him. And I agree. He's, 
he's always he's got a lot of good one-liners and I think as he returns in the final season he brings kind of a new twist of like the competition that they have to be like the vampire with a soul champion people and that's also I think we also like if you're someone who watched Buffy you like to see Spike and Angel kind of duke it out because oh, it's it's, it, a, it's a great television dynamic it is yeah it's a blast it's, it's fantastic also really necessary in the fifth season uh because they're it, it, so as I was watching I had a billion questions obviously <laughs> that that all do get answered over time um, yeah. now I don't get some of the layers like watching this waiting in the wings episode. Like it, it layered a lot of the, the conflicts that come up with the Wesley and the gun characters in season five, but, uh, everything else that I had questions on, it was great because I'd kind of like message the questions and then the next episode, the next two episodes, they, the, the naturally everything would get addressed. Um, where was I going with this? But I think with the it's something about Angel and Spike, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so th their whole thing is that uh, basically, like Angel is really only he only has like a relationship with Spike early on in season five. It's like really disjointed cast, and I couldn't figure out as a viewer sort of how everything ah. fit together because Angel didn't really associate or like have much. Uh, have much of like a deep relationship with anyone else in the main cast, which is very rare for the show's like title main character to not actually be, I mean, he is wildly important in everybody else's lives, obviously. And he's what they revolve around, Yeah, but not in a personal way that you would expect to find in like five years into a show, uh, which is answered in the second half of the season, but he does have that with yeah. Spike. And that's, that's like a crucial sort of anchor um, I felt just coming in as like a new viewer, which is it, Angel's not the show to do that in, but <laughs> yeah, we I think part of that too is when, uh, if you watch Buffy, when Angel goes bad the first time, um, where it means like he loses his soul, uh, Spike is kind of like his buddy. And from like ancient times, they were like kind of like a dynamic duo of treachery. And then, you know, they both kind of become better through, better people like he does because of the curse of the soul but then spike does kind of after he you know at first begrudgingly and then you know more warm he really wants to impress buffy and be the one for her so he kind of also that like motivates him to start doing kind of things on the side of good so there's there are a lot of these like good versus evil and gray area in between you know motifs throughout and i think it's because they're given a lot of choices and it's a lot of like did you pick the right chalice and a lot of time and there's a lot of like of the cosmic like if you do this then something is gonna come after that and I think a lot of that is, you know, in that same vein, it is a really nice way to kind of do, even though it's mystical, it's also like things like we can all relate to as well. It's a weirdly relatable show yeah. for being about creatures <laughs> that yeah, but that's, you I mean, can't relate to. And I think that's, that's like the beauty of it. And season five is like, they have to wrap up a lot of stuff. They 
found out they were canceled about halfway through. So there are a lot of episodes where you're kind of like, okay, a lot of vignettes that are tying up loose ends from kind of both shows hmm. to make sure like you kind of know what's going on. Cause yeah, there's like an episode in the last season where they're like going after Buffy and Rome and it's mostly just to kind of show that they're still, they're like, we both still pine for her. <laughs> Keep that going on. <laughs> we didn't forget. And they still can kind of have that that competitive edge towards each other but a fun fact I have for season five as I was watching some other episodes other than the one that we'll get into um, is that Connor the son uh, I thought he looked a little familiar when I was watching and I thought this guy kind of looks like Pete from Mad Men and turns <laughs> yeah, he out does. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was I did not notice that in previous viewings of the show. So I thought that was a real kind of fun little nod and go, oh, look at you. Super young in this like Peter Pan from hell get up at first. And then he kind of <laughs> gets funny. a little bit more normal. See, and, yeah, I only saw his redemption episodes. Um, yeah. But the whole series, it, it, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier about how relatable the show was. And yes. kind of how how it worked, and like a, a big part, of, like kind of despite being about creatures, despite being about vampires and demons and and whatnot, and it, it seems like such a high concept show, but that's what's kind of like fun about it is that like you know Joss Whedon and David Greenwald and the rest of the writers' room, it's like they were able to pitch this like all right, like here's the show, it's about this vampire, it's his redemption. It's like, here's how we can do like weekly, like here, here's how we can structure a show around this. But because it's draped in fantasy, the, they can play with the rules, they can play with the stories they can tell. And it's really just this like, this writer's room kind of just like understanding TV and playing with the craft of TV and, and it's, and, and just having like strong philosophies to go into and, and being able to explore various different scenarios procedurally through such a strong high concept that that just allows them because it is creature based to sort of like bend rules to whatever they need to to, to tell whatever stories they want to uh makes for it's just a fun really like tv uh literate show i guess for for lack of a better way to put it no it's true like because it is so fantastical they are able to say things without saying things. And so from like a, especially now, since we watch a lot of shows that are produced by streaming platforms that don't necessarily have to answer for the same sort of checks that a network broadcast produced show did. Mm -hmm. You do see that where they're like, oh, these people got to take a lot of risks, but through the lens of vampire, demons, witches, like all this stuff. And I think you're right. What you do see, like when you read between the lines of the show, is a lot of fun to be had if you were a writer in that writer's room of like, hey, I really want to talk about this that's happened, but how do we make it angel? And I kind of, I get that vibe a lot from when you're watching a lot of these episodes. There are a lot of kind of almost human interest piece type mm -hmm. episodes. And then there's still also the greater character development happening, but you get to see like a lot of their cases 
I think reflect that side of it of things that you would experience yourself but just you know instead of it being just like random Joe Schmo on the street it's like a demon from this dimension (laughs) so that's kind of how they get around yeah getting around the rules when you have like the ability to like bring people back from the life have them become part of like higher power have them kind of go into lower power it is it's really interesting too because you're kind of showing a lot they show a lot of like hierarchy and within that morality so it's it's a really interesting show for for many reasons but also in the risk they take the freedoms they had within a lot of probably strict you know guidelines and it lives up now so that's really cool i think if we backtrack and we look a bit at the season one episode we watched Mm -hmm. where it's about this guy who's like a half demon and then there's these kind of like almost nazi-like or you know slytherin-like demons that are like only the pure bloods and you watch a lot of that going like ye but you're also looking at similar similar concept of like they took something that you know people do experience and they made it in a demon context and that guy like definitely went out with a bang i think it also kind of showed that the writers were not afraid to kill off characters yeah (laughs) and and that will happen throughout the show it's almost like i mean Grey's Anatomy did it a lot to where you're like who's coming next but like that's like a show that I think of or Game of Thrones where like but I think what's hard is in the Buffy universe since it was such a like people don't come back you know from the dead like they could like you know in other shows it's like no that person's gone Mm -hmm. they're done we'll never see them again and with Buffy it's almost an angel it's almost this weird thing of like well did they are they like forever dead or just for like the summer or that's that's (laughs) what's going on and then when people are actually gone it's even worse because you're like dang it like why didn't they do the spell (laughs) right and but and so that that is kind of the funny thing is and that's what was like the the hardest thing like coming off of so many shows that have such established rules to like dive into or to kind of like just like kind of let myself as a viewer just kind of like let go of those rules and be like okay like we're just in the hands of whatever they want the rules to be they can make them up as they go along and and the best way that i've ever had angel described to me is that it's a show about the moments and yes. like it, it it manages to get there despite all because it's like the the character who goes out with a bang like they they brush it off just basically like these godlike beings are just like we could bring him back but like we won't it, you know like within the first <laughs> scene and they're like no his his story arc's done we say it's done and and it works because the show wants to explore something else and 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 brings in some more longtime characters to explore instead and and you just kind of trust because they're having so much fun making it um, that that's not like yeah it it just it works despite despite you having to get on board with like the all right like the the, the normal rules are out um, it's the writer's rules and I feel like that just that there's so often times that does not work in television or yeah. any media any storytelling and and they they make it work and it is it, it comes down to these really great moments yeah despite being a very free show and like 
like I said, not that many rules. It is still very organized, and the continuity is quite good. Like the continuity's not the the season yeah. three episode we watched. Like it it yes, it's it, it just like it layered one the conflict between Wesley and Gunn. But I was surprised that one of the biggest moments in the finale at the end of its fifth year. I mean, really the the moment that I think about when I think about the episode. Um, yeah. is the Wesley lie to me moment. And that is like, I didn't realize that that was still in its infancy so early in the season. Like that, that took a yeah. very long time to pay off and it pays off in such an interesting, unexpected way that does keep its continuity despite everything going on around it. And it, it, it takes until the end of the series to pay off. It's amazing. Yeah. You gotta know that somebody was keeping track of all the different you know, plot pivots. I have no in this show. Like, that's how I feel. That where people have a very good memory, but I have. It does feel like just like octopus legs that were able to just like keep track of everything and then just bring it all together. I was reading, uh, prepping for this episode, and I have no idea where I read it. So I really hope it's true. Please fact check it (laughs) um, before telling anybody else. But. that that while they were making i guess while they were producing the i think it was the ballet episode that we watched the season three episode uh they were kind of like planning out this this shot and uh joss whedon and kind of like all right like here's what we're going to do we're going to do this really great sweeping you know uh pan over we're going to see angel in the mirror and then the the like the whole room grew silent during production and the dp was like hey man like you know he's a vampire, right? Like, we actually can't. So it's like everybody was kind of like on the same page working towards the same goal here, um, and the show was just kind of like laser-focused with that stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, it's TV. Like, I, I doubt you can find anything that doesn't have like some sort of weird, you know, who knows what. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it it, it it works. It works. And it, it is laser-focused. The mean, continuity is laser-focused. I Good think script. the main difference, if you watch like, vampire shows of the true blood era versus like the buffy angel era is the face you know of the vampires and buffy it's definitely one where you look back and go like this is some like 90s oh that's totally some (laughs) 90s practical effects stuff what do they do in true blood how how do they how do they deal with they mostly just got the teeth you know they are they're more just like pretty fangs only what i do like about buffy and true blood um and angel is that they do stick to like the vampires can only come out at night. I like that because mm-hmm. you know, and you go to the Twilight world and it's very symbolic of what it is. It's like, and I enjoy those movies, so this is not to hate on them, I but found like they glitter in the, in the sun, and I'm like, no, 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 these people need to like set on fire, it like makes the sticks oh, <laughs> for, for how everything works, but. I do think, yeah, Angel does kind of set this tone for shows that keep going on in the vampire world of making more of it like vampires in reality. Mm-hmm. And that's that's definitely something that True Blood takes to like the even next level where it's about them like coming out of the coffin is what they call it and getting rights and their political presence in the world in addition to their just actual presence and like what it means to you know be somebody who interacts with a vampire and how accepting they are and they go into a lot of layers but i think that uh you know that's something you can all think about for a sec and <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I to on that. 
Yeah, I just yeah, I yeah, I've personally not watched any other real vampire content. I mean, to to be honest, like that that whole subject matter, I, I just I, I never really strayed towards it. So I, I, maybe it's why I never really paid. Or also, Angel Angel did air before I was kind of watching primetime television too. But yeah, so I'm not I'm not too like privy on the comparisons. I do like uh, there there was sort of like a fun interaction. I mean, obviously it's it's. In, in a clever way, they were kind of able to be like, all right, well, a lot of the rules people do think about vampires is, you know, through just like bad media and stereotyping, and, and they're able to kind of create the rules through through kind of like a fun subtext of Angel being like, all right, like, come on, like, um, through fun dialogue. Shows you know, that they can be make, the, make the, rules the, of the guys. Show. Yeah, yeah, and they do the sort of like, oh, yeah, he drinks like just like either blood donor blood or you know <laughs> yeah, animal yeah, blood right. whatever they have <laughs> I in the about services i forgot that they yeah. like, keep the vampire thing it's like such a yeah i don't know it's just part of the show that i like hardly paid attention to it's funny but they do they do kind of keep it up if that is they do wanna, like, watch it's weirdly not as in your face as you would think it would mm-hmm. be but it's more just like he'll have a thermos in the fridge and it's like do not drink right yeah (laughs) you'll be you'll be real bummed and it's like yeah you you would be bummed uh and yeah we were talking about it too where the episode we watched in season five had to do with harmony which is a character from the buffy verse as well about harmony harmony is the only character that appears in the unaired 1996 buffy the vampire slayer pilot and the very last episode of Angel, she's like the longest running wow. character. If you start in an like an uncanon episode, that is pretty cool. I like that. I like those. That is, yeah, I like those kind of fun facts. That is a fun fact. Yeah. yeah, and it's she is like sprinkled throughout both shows like a fair amount. So she, is she like an antagonist in Buffy? Because she comes in at the end of Angel and she joins the main a little cast, bit. and she's kind of like a comedic sort of side character, as most of most dramas have. Uh, but but it seems like she had some like, po- like it kind of seems like she was always comedic, but that she also might have had some higher stakes conflicts with the characters and and early in Buffy, not Angel. Yeah, she was like a lovable enemy because she used to be kind of like Spike's girlfriend slash fling. Oh, so that, that they would. Okay, I see. Yeah, I, I see that. so they would kind of like, you know. They'd get into trouble, but at the same time, they'd help out when it was like, oh, well, we both don't like this collective bad guy. <laughs> we're like, we're, we're supposed to be the kind of, you know, endearing, we wear leather jackets and we're bad boys. Like, they're supposed to be kind of like the Fonzies, <laughs> but mm. they're not really supposed to be. Like, I mean, Spike starts out pretty evil, but by the time he kind of gets together with harmony he's definitely going towards the path of like i'm gonna be like not one of the gang but kind of a once in a while i'll help out and i'll at least stay out of trouble Mm. with them so yeah it's it's the then she comes back and she's in this role where she's like i want to be getting more involved at work and get attention and she thinks like no one's really paying attention to her and that she doesn't have as many friends at work and then it happens to be that this co-worker is working against her which everyone thinks like is kind of like Ugh, would that really happen and then it does and it's just funny seeing it now because it's a lot of I think a lot of people could relate to it in a 
trying to move up the ranks at work way and you do kind of feel for her even though she's like you know knocking people out and throwing them in the closet to be like sorry i really have to prove myself innocent first and uh we'll uh get back to you later and that's like yeah typical kind of joss whedon universe of like just oopsies and we'll get back to you and you're like the people with all the casual concussions are like i mean like couldn't we have just discussed this earlier please but it's yeah i feel like it's an episode where you're kind of like it is falls into that filler space but you're also like you're enjoying the ride it's it's very comforting procedural episode about you know that 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 puts the the side previously antagonistic like selfish character into a protagonistic role and 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 it is fun it's the the first half of for, for being a final season season five is interestingly paced it's it's kind of like you said it's like the it speeds up it speeds up once they realize that the end is is near and they they, they have a lot to say and a lot to finish but but up until then these the harm's way uh, season five episode nine is it's a really fun procedural episode that that does a good job at like showing character or, or showing kind of like i guess a, a whimsical style of the show yeah because she finds this guy supposed to be like a mediator between these demon clans and she's like had had a one night stand but then he has like the vampire bites and it's like oh no but it's funny because they just like do a lot of these little like her version of a walk of shame is like putting the body down the mm, oh yeah that was, into that the was dumpster great. and was like great. and all these little things of like i'm afraid i'm gonna get tested at work and test positive for human blood and <laughs> and they have i do think like that episode also serves the purpose of showing what how kind of quirky it is that they're in this office life and on top of that like a law firm that's supposed to be very prim and proper but they're all kind of these like clumsy magical creatures that have all all these weird like rules to follow from corporate and then rules to follow from their own world and it's once they've kind of infiltrated the you know law firm that they were once working against so it's i i read in an article i think it was the vox article that a lot of this show is about you know working against the system then becoming a part of the system then like trying to beat the system from within and that's like a big metaphor that they're trying to run through an angel and i read that going like that is a really good point a lot of this does kind of have to be like they're like sticking it to the man in the beginning and then you know he sort of kind of goes back and forth with what's right and wrong and then towards the end you're kind of almost wondering like did he choose the to like be more with them and then in the end you're like no 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 he was just collecting information and he's gonna get them but you still don't find out because they do end on many from reading a lot of fan threads Hmm. it sounds like people are somewhat torn on whether this is a cliffhanger or not because in a way they're like well you know what they do when they go into battle and it does end with them kind of going against the senior partners which i think that's like a really funny thing they do too is like their their enemies are called the senior partners i think it's fun how they're foreshadowed through i I don't even know if it was it was if, if it was anticipated or if they just kind of made it work 
Um, yeah. Just with the confines of what they had left. But but it is kind of fun, like who the senior partners are and what the final conflict of the series is. I personally don't see the finale as a cliffhanger. I see it very philosophically in line with the show and a great final statement. Um, and I think so too. Yeah, it's it's just... It, it's it's in line. Um, what's your favorite episode? Do you have one right before we start? Ah, uh, I have I have a few. I do really like I do really like the pilot. I also I another one that I watch. I do like the one, even though it's cheesy, but it's just because it's like a nice uh, bowl of ice cream. Is the one where. Buffy comes back and he gets to be human for a day. It does not serve much for the angel show, but for a Buffy viewer, you're like, oh, that's sweet. But you're also like sad for Angel because he has to live with that. And then they do a lot of fun things later on. Like I liked the puppet episode. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, that one is like you watch that and you're like, oh, and I was reading stuff from the cast that was saying like the guy who did the puppets, like after between takes, he still gave notes with one of the puppets. Like he just like stayed committed to being a puppeteer. And I was like, I appreciate that a lot. Like Buffy is really well known for the musical episodes. Um, so it's not very surprising that Angel also does some like extra creative risks. Oh, I watched one of the musical episodes, I think, in season five. That's yeah. I've heard, I've heard things about Buffy's musical episode. They're all good. Yeah. yeah. Whoever coordinates that is chef's kiss. Quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite good. Like, and they also seem to have ensemble casts that have, which I mean, many shows do like people with like theater backgrounds and that helps. Cause it's not just like, you know, that when you're watching and you can tell there's a clear difference between the actor's voice and the singer's voice and you're like mm, great but on a lot of these you're like no that that's that's them that checks yeah. <laughs> that's fun so so it's cool but yeah what's your favorite episode do you have one that is like more more nailed down uh yeah, it's got to be the finale, I think. Wow. I it's, like that. It's honestly, it's one, because I really enjoy the last scene. And two, because when I think of the series, I think of the Wesley lie to me scene in the finale and, and the wrap up of, of his character arc. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a good payoff. It's a really, really strong payoff. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of... That's that's just like what I identify the show like when I think about the show. It's the first scene I think about. Um, I think a lot of strong endings don't show you everything because I yeah. think the main thing some people like thought this show ended as a cliffhanger as were like, oh well, we didn't get to see the battle. But in my opinion, I'm like, well, you've seen all the other ones exactly, and and you're supposed to kind of go on with it being like, well, if these characters were going to get killed off, you would see that. So, yep. you know, go with that and be like, it's going to be like the other scenarios you've seen. And these characters have been so consistent from start to finish and with their growth that you know what they're going to do at this point. So it's not like the jarring, like, uh, well, what happened next? And I, exactly. I like this. Like some people don't like the having to fill your cup up yourself a little bit with like, what? Ha how would I imagine all these things? But I think it's like, the sign of a good show if you're able 
to piece that together and also be okay with it since you know a lot of classic controversial endings of shows is a lot of times the fans are just like upset the show is over yeah and that's and that's more the thing of like having to say goodbye and being like and i don't get to see every millisecond of how Mm. this wraps up and i think when you step back and watch it later you can appreciate it more because you're not as emotionally tied to this is ending if it if it's true to itself it'll work out as an ending and uh yeah and i i believe angels is and speaking of endings that's probably where we should call it on that um, yeah, yeah. Would you call the segment? This is the you had a great name for this segment. Ghost of Prime Times Past for Angel. Yes. Nice. Yes. Nice. Hope you enjoyed the Ghost of Prime Times Past for Angel. If you have a favorite episode, if you watched Angel, if you have thoughts on Angel, uh, let us know. Uh, hit us up. You know where to find us or info at ptptshow.com uh, or leave a voicemail and uh, we can place some thoughts. Uh, otherwise, that should do it for. The third episode of Primetime Party Time. Thank you for joining us. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Catch us live Monday nights at ptptshow.com. Doing something a little more performative next week. Um, And yeah, uh, thank you for BMAC and Wendy for helping us put this episode together uh, with your thoughts on Angel. Uh, We're your hosts... Tracy and Daniel and we're going to let this uh, underscore run just a little bit longer because there are some other people that the show could not have been made without we're talking about Fen uh, who did the artwork find her on or at Fen Latte on Instagram this theme song by Jay Wright find him at jwrightmusic.com our website helped uh, by our good friend Coco and uh, that's pretty much it for prime time party time went out halfway through no yeah i mean it, we got it back up well went out is that when i is that's that when, I, when said, I hopped off no no it's when i said no, wait that's... in the middle of something you were saying and because i just like was trying to I, I don't know we got through it we got through it. <laughs>